Welcome to Making the Lemonades with Abby Brown and Lottie Trick. A positive news podcast proving when life gives you lemons, there's always an opportunity to make lemonade. So here we are, Abigail, episode two. We made it through episode one. I didn't think we were going to at first, if I'm (laughs) honest, but we're here. (laughs) We are here. (laughs) Um, We've had some lovely comments and thoughts, lots of thoughts and feedback from from family and friends which has been nice you've built a particular fan base due to your pronunciation i think we've lost all of our scottish listeners um we just wiped them out in the last uh episode but that's okay we can win them back yeah i mean pronunciation i feel like i even said that wrong isn't my strongest point um and those that know me do know that my sayings i like to intertwine a couple of Mm, things That shall be interesting as we go on to see how many of them are picked out. But I'm really hoping this time, second episode, like we said, we're here. I can hopefully my pronunciation will be better because I have got some stories that are challenging. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been tutored appropriately to ensure that you say all the names correctly. That's great. Fantastic. Did you have anybody else getting in contact? Um, I mean, it's family and friends at this point with our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you, a lot of friends have said just what I needed on this doom and gloom Tuesday morning, So, which is actually really nice. And actually someone that I don't know, not a family or a friend member, can I add? Oh my gosh. One person has messaged saying, thank you so much. And you know what? It made my day because I thought this is why we're doing it. We're doing it to bring some light to the world right now. So that's really nice um i need to make sure that my payment to them went through but it sounds like it did so it's all good (laughs) i'm joking i don't know that person fantastic that is fantastic i um promoted the podcast to my friends in north america so we're covering canada and the us can you beat that Uh, no but i'm hoping you sold it I'm hoping you still it. Oh, have we not got any listeners in Australia? Well, actually, now we should have some listeners in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at you. If, I mean, if she's not, that's very poor form. But Tash, we hope that you, <laughs> it's making its way making all the way over to you. And how's your week been? Is anything? Yeah, week's been good. Starting to get back into rugby again. Um, we're starting to test now as well, which is a positive step for the um, for the league. So yeah all really good how about you how's your week been great yep good more lockdown more working from home um i did do something i was gonna say particularly strange but it is quite on brand i was walking behind a man on sort of a a lunchtime walk and he was carrying a baby sort of in his front one of those carriers but it was quite slack (laughs) so there's quite a lot of space between the baby and his front uh, which is fine. It might, I know, whatever. I don't have any kids, so that may be completely appropriate. But as we neared my house, he was starting, he realised his lace was undone and he was trying to tie up his lace. But as he was leaning down, he was losing the baby. The baby was coming out of the sling because it was so loose and he kept going, like grabbing the baby and I was just watching him and I felt awful. So I kind of said as I went past from a very appropriate social distance oh are you okay do you need you a want me to hold your child <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like no it's okay and i thought what 
what were you going to do? You can't go near that person. You were either going to A, hold his baby, or B, tie his shoe. Tie his shoe! I would have ended up tying a stranger's shoelace. I knew that and story he, was coming. I mean, he may not have even thought he was struggling, and I, just a complete stranger, walked past and essentially offered to tie his shoe for him. Made his day, maybe. You never or know. he sort of ran swiftly away, thinking, who is that? Bizarre yeah, that's also true. So we've obviously been digging around uh, to find more positive stories. Um, and Abby, what what can you tell us about this week? Yeah, so obviously with we all joking about my pronunciation, I've actually found another story from this Scottish National Park in Cairngorms. <laughs> and I'm really hoping I've said that correctly. I had Scottish, my friend basically said, say it like care with an N. So Cairngorms. I think is how you say it. To be honest, it got so bad last week that one of the girls didn't even know where I was talking about and she is Scottish. So, I mean, hey, we're making up places as we go. That's, but anyway. And there's some, some, something of an Australian twang as you say it. It's, yeah. It's a, a word that's really taken on in its own life at this point. If I'm honest, when I was practising it, it was kind of Irish saying <laughs> as well. And I just thought, oh, I'm, is this rude? I'm not sure. But everyone knows where I mean. Um, so basically this two friends were on a walk, um, and it obviously turns out it's not just reindeers up there. Um, and there was a group of sheep circling and basically there was this cat in the middle. Anyway, they took it home, took it to the vets, tried to find the owner, did the whole Facebook thing, decided to name it Huntley, thought no one's come forward. We'll rename it. We'll rehome it. Sorry. Anyway, 24 hours later, this vet rang is like, it's actually a Scottish wildcat, which are the most endangered mammal in Europe. Wow. The only wild member of cat family in the UK, which is another fun fact. That's an extremely good story, Abby. Yeah. I don't know why I'm so surprised, but that was... No, hang on, it doesn't stop there. It does not stop. This family then began to fundraise and have raised 5, 000, over £5,000 to help all these, like, the charity for these wildcats started a GoFundMe page and also the Royal Zoological Society, which is part of the breeding society world, also messaged them being like, thank you so much for starting your campaign. It's bo- like boosted all their fundraisings too. So Good that's just course. from a walk. Fantastic. I know. I know. I and it did, have you seen a picture of said cat? I have, and it does look just like a normal cat. Oh, really? Yeah. What colour it is it? Like a brown tabby all mixed into one but they are looking a bit bigger they look a bit chunkier should Interesting. i say yeah and did they not sort of get scratched did it want to be touched well yeah i don't know i think i don't know whether or not it was really cold that's the vibe i was getting it was <laughs> like <laughs> it needed shelter <laughs> yeah sure 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 but i think they do have like quite like sharp teeth so probably but mm. i know and I'm is it now um, yeah well, where is it yeah, now i'm guessing they put it back because you can't rehome a wild cat can you it no. didn't say so i just kind of assumed they popped it back yeah it's all a bit tiger king otherwise isn't it yeah and that's not okay no wow but yeah i know it's just 
Scotland just keeps on giving. Keeps on giving. And I, I, I really hope that next week or week after you you also deliver another story. I couldn't believe it was from the same place as from one of us. That's also why I wanted to share this story. <laughs> So, I don't know if you've seen this, but there is an image, a photo doing the rounds, which I had minusly scrolled past a few times on Instagram before I'd actually read the story. Um, so I don't know if you've seen it, Abs. So it's the a photo of the back of two penguins, one with their arm around the other, standing on a rock looking out over a skyline. Have you yeah, seen? I think I've seen it, but like you, I think I've just scrolled past it and not mm-hmm. really taken much interest in it. I mean, so easy to do. Uh, so this, it really does look like a photo, like a scene out of Happy Feet or some kind of Disney film because it's so, it's beyond thinking that it's a little scene that could actually happen. But in fact, it is. So this photo actually won the Community Choice Award in the Oceanographic Magazine's Ocean Photography Awards. Um, and the two penguins are part of a colony of around 1,400 fairy penguins in St Kilda Pier in Melbourne, the smallest penguin species with an average height of just 33 centimetres. 33? Yep. Um, the colony is monitored by volunteers, one of which informed the photographer Tobias Baumgartner that the two penguins had recently lost their partners and often appeared to be comforting each other, saying, a volunteer approached me and told me that the white one was an elderly lady who had lost her partner and apparently so did the younger male to the left. Since then, they meet regularly, comforting each other and standing together for hours Oh, I actually can't. Watching You're the dan- I, I am watching the dancing lights of the city nearby. Um, and he said that he was very lucky to capture such a beautiful moment. And I cannot, if you haven't seen this photo and you're feeling a little on the rocks emotionally, <laughs> you yourself. might have a little cry. It's just a stunning, stunning photograph. And the story behind oh, it is so sweet. How do, how do they know that though? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do they know that's an elderly penguin? And that's a younger male. They oh, that's what you're asking me. <laughs> I thought you meant more the emotional intelligence <laughs> of the penguin, less about the logistics of the care of the penguins. Um, well, they just know because of like tracking them, I guess. Yeah. So I guess if they're yeah, the volunteers look after oh, the really look after them. They keep track of the ages and who's that's who's actually knocking around. <laughs> Because penguins meet for life, don't they? Mm. That makes it looks like they still can, you know, make lots of friends, yeah. companions. And I need you to send me that photo because I don't know if I have seen it or not. Okay, hang on. Oh my god, that's so cute! Oh, it's melted my heart a little bit. See, can you see why I was stifling my tears now, telling you know the what? story? I can, and it's a good job, you know, we're um, we're holding it together over here. got quite an interesting one for you next mm-hmm. it has confused me quite a lot but i've oh, done good. quite a lot of research <laughs> oh good so i'm really hoping i do it justice okay okay have you ever heard of a thing called long player no no i hadn't either but it's a music composition that is lasting a thousand years 
Yes, a thousand years. There are 234 Tibetan singing bowls. These bowls are like a type of bell that basically vibrate and produce rich and like deep tones. Basically, these bowls can be easily played by humans and machines, and it's designed to be adaptable to unforeseeable changes in its technology and social environments and to endure the long term as a self-sustaining intuition. Started in 1999, 2000, and is lasting until 2999. I don't know how you're supposed to say that, but roughly started in 2000 and ending in 3000, the year 3000. Sorry, should I say? However, the most <laughs> impressive part on this, that is that it's composed in a way that the character of the music changes every day. So that wherever its combining sections are, there's no combination that is repeated until a thousand years. And like, that just blew my mind. And I appreciate it's hard to believe, and especially because I'm saying it, but there is, this thing does exist. For all the musicians out there, I just need some ex- help with explaining this, but it's composed by six short pieces of music and it all plays simultaneously. Basically, the concept grew out of concern with problems of representing and understanding the fluidity and expansiveness of time. While it found form as a music composition, it can also be understood as an artificial life form programmed to seek its own survival strategies. Okay, may I ask questions now? Hit me with your questions. Let's hope I can answer them. So we've got the Tibetan bowls. Yeah. Where are they? A lighthouse in Trinity Boy Wharf in London, which I will want to visit after lockdown, I have to say. Okay. And who are they being played by? The machines, like computers, but you can have like live performances. So like people can go in and actually play them and then there's like a live performance, but it plays all the time so like you can stream it online have you done so i have done so it's very like um calming actually i'd say is the word perfect very a calming. little bit of like mind mindfulness yoga yeah. background it do you know what it, it has actually exactly like that yeah perfect okay so practicalities tick now the yeah. competition element run that past me again competition element you didn't you say this was a competition that was running for a thousand years no 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 competition just it's the running for a thousand years the composition oh composition (laughs) i'm so sorry i was waiting for you to tell me about some sort of rival No. no bowl okay yeah no no composition okay i just thought it was pretty cool like you're making it last a millennium and who who has started this jem finner composed it i knew you're gonna ask questions got the answers straight away Fantastic. jem finner composed it who was also a founding member of pogues he'll add on there um he basically wanted to make sense of the millennium millennium how to render a set as sensible or tangible, the great span of a thousand years, not so long in cosmic terms, but sufficiently longer than a human life's lifetime. Fascinating. Yeah, it's very confusing. And I have to, like I said, I have to do a lot of research with it and I don't fully understand it, but I feel like it's one of those things I need to go and look at and I'll probably understand once I've seen it. Come back, give us a report. Oh, basically. And it's continued throughout um, lockdown and everything like that. Because it's all done on like, like technology i think it basically just carries on playing and the idea is that whatever technology you, there is at the time it plays 
with it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So check it out. So this story is again what took me a little moment to wrap my head around, probably not as long as potentially your concept, Abigail, (laughs) admittedly, but this is really, really fascinating. So um, a Spanish engineer named Judith Giro Bennett um, has invented an affordable non-invasive breast cancer testing kit, which you could use at home called the Blue Box. This in itself is obviously completely amazing, but what is even more fascinating is that the artificial intelligence being used is based upon a dog's ability to analyze urine to seek out any cancerous biomarkers. What? Dogs are incredible. I appreciate that's not the story here, but dogs are also incredible. <laughs> yes. That, I mean, as is the, uh, the inventor, but dogs are, yeah, we got to yeah. <laughs> give them... Give them their dues. Um, so this is not the first time that dogs have been used to analyze cancer cells. In 1989, um, a dog showed very specific interest in an owner's um, mole on their leg and it actually turned out to be cancerous. This kit is really significant as breast cancer remains the most common cancer for women in the UK alone. But on average, 41% of women are missing their mammograms because of the pain associated with the screening. So the blue box would hopefully remove the discomfort, um, mainly, and annoyance of the screening. Um, And engineer Bennett says, what we dream is a world in which every household has one of these blue boxes, giving every woman the possibility to get screened at home, giving them the power to own their own health. If the blue box can reach the market, it can be empowering for every woman in the world. So it's not on the market yet, sadly, but fingers crossed, during its early trials, the blue box was accurate 95% of the time, and it now needs to go into its larger trials phase. Um, And the the technology is just fascinating. Uh, The inventor says every time that someone gets screened, they would be feeding this artificial intelligence algorithm with new data so you are helping the next woman who will come after you to have a better diagnosis is it like a one-time use thing or is it literally you can continue to use it you can keep you can keep using it so it's the box itself is reusable and then i think from what i can understand you you we on something and then you put in the box which provides and there's an app involved as well it's all yeah but it's very discreet and it's very much something which you could see in the future people having at home so fingers crossed because that'll make a humongous impact 100% especially if people like I said it's at home and people can test and as and when they feel like they need to and Mm -hmm. probably check more often Mm -hmm. perfect yeah that's awesome January the 6th seemed to be any other day for us, but for the Dominicans, it was a monumental day as the Dominican Republic ended child marriage, uh, which is just amazing. And I kind of was a bit shocked that things like that are still happening in the world, I guess. Um, But in some countries, it still was very much so. Um, President Abeninda eliminates all legal grounds for child marriage and safeguards the fundamental rights of children. 
it did have the highest rate of child marriage in the Latin American and Caribbean region. However, Sonia Hernandez, who is the Associate Director of Public Justice System, explained this harmful practice results in a lack of protection, inequality, lack of opportunities and early pregnancy for girls. It also has a direct impact on the country's economy, um, which I think is huge. It's, 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 it's massive. Um, and the fact that, like, honestly, I could not believe it's actually still happening. Um, they're trying to end harmful practices like child marriage uh, by 2030 as part of a target 5.3 uh, from the United Nations Sustainability Sustainable Development Goals. And made all more urgent in the pandemic. Experts said that the COVID-19 could lead to 13 million more children forced into marriage over the next decade. 13 million. However, this is a huge success. um, And through this law, a new stage begins in the country. Girls cannot be forced into marriage throughout their childhood. um, And it's just, it is a first step. Um, Obviously, have lots more things to overcome um in addition to these changes the president issued a new decree establishing a special cabinet led by the ministry for women um, to work towards a life free of violence for women and girls in their country so abby have you done any good deeds this week any random acts of kindness have you offered to tie anybody's shoe (laughs) haven't offered to tie anybody's shoe um no not really if i'm honest sounds bad doesn't it that's terrible that's okay i didn't give any warning sorry i should have let you prep prep a lie uh, at least at least, at least had a lie if i'm honest all i could think about i was doing some work at a school and we had the kindergarten kids and that was super cute but that's not really a maybe that's just called a job i think yeah. <laughs> many people go to school um job work but it was very rewarding can i add it was so nice nice. that's good um well if you are looking for some inspiration you might be able to take some from sixth form students in staffordshire so nurses in the royal stoke university hospital in the critical care unit recently posted photos of boxes of pizzas which had been sent to the hospital anonymously after some investigation i mean I don't know what that means. Inve- like <laughs> after some investigation, what does that mean? And I'm more intrigued about what that really entails than the story <laughs> the actual, itself. The actual investigation. Assuming they called the pizza place to ask who put the order in, but it, that in itself, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so after doing that investigation, they worked out that the delivery was from a group of sick form students. A uh, critical care nurse, Ms. Walkthough, said, at a time when healthcare staff feel so low and deflated, responses like this remind us that we are supported. The nurse who had been in charge on the day shift was in tears. She had barely eaten all day and was a little emotional. Yeah. So, um, I mean, firstly, if you've got, uh, you're able to, maybe sending some pizza to frontline staff would be welcome. Maybe donuts maybe as i say pizza that kind of donut something warm yeah that is the smell is warm yeah where are you getting your warm donuts from (laughs) yeah you can get warm donuts morrison's do great if you go in there and have just baked a fresh thing of donuts a warm donut Oh, you can't go wrong. Trust me. Sort of hanging around the bakery aisle and Morrison's <laughs> to bring out the warm donuts. Fantastic. That, that athlete in me. 
<laughs> okay, or something, I don't know, that you wouldn't want that if you were been working hard. I was going to say like warm bread, but <laughs> I just really like the smell of it. <laughs> I think but there's yeah. something about slices of pizza and donuts that are you can take and you don't need to touch lots of things. Yeah. So they're quite good in that. Also that, I guess. Secondly, if you've got any more information about the story, and the, I think we should pursue the investigation because no one has come forward yet to confirm oh, so that no, it was them. No. So they have just gone, there's this assumption that it's a sick form. I don't, I, I don't know how they know it was sick form. Like, it's just... Maybe we need to be investigating. Yeah got time for that kind of thing i think maybe you might have a couple i've got a couple of days i could probably (laughs) (laughs) investigate (laughs) see what i can do fantastic couple weeks time episode three we'll come back and let you know if this is um found anymore great (laughs) so my last story might actually in interest you instead of the iconic tube max helen illis who is a graphic designer has designed a nature and greener version for the daily commuters she has joined the dots between london parks and different nature spots amongst the greenery to help with walkers and cyclists travel across london um, the map is called green ground map and essentially she's brought the tube stations above ground which amazing is great um it's put like the distances and stuff on there as well i don't think it's obviously like exact she also because did you know there's about three three thousand parks in london no I three thousand i don't know either but she's only got about 380 on her map at the moment um and has already made 500 copies and obviously it's a ongoing project because she wants to get more uh parks on there and kind of expand the map um, but she hopes it's a good starting point for discovering new urban spaces whilst also changing people's perceptions on how we see cities, especially as the last year has shown how important green spaces are. Oh, that's lovely. And can you, so can you access that online as well, or is it just something that's been produced by hand? I think it's, if I'm honest, I don't think you have to buy it. I think it's an online thing. I typed in the green ground map and it came up with a PDF I could have a look at and i'm guessing i can just print that off at home and if you can't print it off at home i'm guessing they'll probably be in and around places of which i'm not sure but i know you can see it online also another question that i'm not expecting you to know the answer to but interesting i wonder what qualifies as a green space in a park like what size what amount of grass yeah because that's a lot was it did you say three thousand three thousand it's i don't know how much maybe you need like a couple of square foot I don't know. Square foot? How big is a square foot? That's the question. I ain't got a clue. <laughs> a couple of square foot. It's not a huge amount of space. It's like... Right. But no, if you could get back to me on that one, that would be great. I'd like to I know will. what actually um, makes it a park and a green space for the 3,000 parks there are in London. So apparently I have been living under a rock... Uh, the last few months because I was completely unaware of this sea shanty craze which has been taking over TikTok admittedly that's not something I dabble in but I thought being a a young hip thing that I might be in the mix but it turns out I'm not yourself young and hip so go on <laughs> I only found out about it during a meeting yesterday so I feel about 
65. Uh, but personal crisis aside, I did some digging to find out what this sea shanty craze is all about. Um, and the story kind of begins um, arguably with Nathan Evans. So he's a 26 year old postman from near Glasgow. Um, and he posted a video of himself singing Wellerman at a sea shanty uh, in December 2020. This kicked off a bit of a craze on TikTok with some really, really stunning renditions. But sea shanties themselves have a really interesting history and this um, song does as well. So when I did a little bit of research, a really informative article from The Guardian came up and said the following. Neil Colkehoun, a New Zealand folk music pioneer who died in 2014, first documented the song Wellerman in 1966 from a man then in his 80s who said he had been taught it by his uncle. Researching that link led Archer to shanties published in the bulletin paper in Sydney in 1904. So then he did a bit of Google guesswork and it suggests that the song Wellerman and the composer of that song was a teenage sailor or shore whaler around New Zealand in the late 1830s who penned the ditty on settling in Australia, then passed it down within his family around the turn of the century. So this is really poignant because Archer suggests that this sea shanty's cheerful energy and hopeful outlook um, really contrasts with the more dreary wailing songs, which is probably why it's really popular right now across social media. So the story doesn't end there. Not only did I just give you a fascinating history <laughs> lesson. Wow. You're all so, you're still awake. It doesn't <laughs> end there. But if you remember the beginning of the story that started 10 hours ago, <laughs> our man, Nathan Evans, actually got himself a record deal. And so oh. he is <laughs> he's wow. being a postman um, and he's got himself a record deal. So it is truly the story that just keeps on giving. Um, wow. I and I've, yeah, you I'm do. on TikTok and I've not seen it. So. Oh, wow. There you go. Maybe it's not as big as a craze I thought, but I think it is something on, I watched something on the news about it as well. Um, I don't since... think I'm young and hip either. So <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> that's maybe why. that brings episode two to a close we hope you all have enjoyed it i know we certainly have don't forget if you want to look at any of the articles we've been talking about they'll be in the show notes we look forward to more more feedback i might slip in another um spelling error just to see if the eagle-eyed uh, can, can pick that People out People are watching <laughs> Absolutely But thank you so much We hope that you are all doing okay This is a, a tough time Look after yourselves and people you love And we will be back soon See you later Goodbye okay,